Well, this morning I would like you to take your Bibles, if you have one with you, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and we will be looking at verses 7 through 9 as we continue our study in the book of Ephesians and also prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper this morning. Last Sunday, we looked at one of the great mysteries in the New Testament. We looked at a mystery that is really, in many ways, the focal point of the book of Ephesians and is explained so clearly in one verse, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6, where Paul writes, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We learned last week that Jews, believing Jews and believing Gentiles become one new man in Christ Jesus. And at this time in history, that was astounding to think that the Gentiles who believe in Christ are going to be inherit, or excuse me, heirs of the same inheritance, the eternal inheritance that we have in Christ, that they are going to be fellow members of the same body with their Jewish believing brothers and sisters. The Gentiles were not to be stepchildren. They were not to be distant cousins. They were not to be equal but separate. They are together, brothers, sisters, redeemed children, one body, one new man in Christ, and it all happens through the gospel. And as I shared with you last week, the gospel is for all peoples everywhere. And so Paul continues in verses 7 through 9 of this gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Well, our first point this morning is a minister of the gospel. The Apostle Paul's God-given, God-ordained mission was to be a minister of the gospel. In verse 7, he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. Paul's calling was to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ as a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Minister, that word here is an important word. Minister means a servant who waits on tables. By, defin- excuse me, by definition, a servant is one who acts on the commands of others who recognizes and submits to a divine authority. A servant's primary responsibility is to do what he is told to do. The word minister that means servant means that this servant is so confident in his master. He trusts his master so much that he isn't cynical, he isn't skeptical, he doesn't say, I don't get it, Master, he doesn't question his Master, he says, Master, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. He has so much adoration and confidence in his Master, 
He just wants to know what he is to do. And Paul's single responsibility was to faithfully be a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given to him by the working of God's power. Paul emphasizes, he emphasizes the fact that he did not make himself a minister, but that he was made a minister. His calling, his message, his work, and his empowering were all from God. And I think this is so important for us to remember over and over again as Bible-believing Christians. Paul was not an apostle. Please understand this so carefully. Paul was not a great apostle because of his education. He was not a great apostle because of his natural abilities. He was not a great apostle because of his experience or because of his personality. He was made an apostle, a preacher, and a servant by the will and power of God. Paul could say with all truthfulness, God made me what I am. And without him, I am nothing. With him, I am everything. And so, Paul considered himself to be the very least of all the saints, and yet he was given the great responsibility to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 8, he says to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Although he was an apostle and a specially chosen minister of the mystery of the gospel, Paul considered himself to be the very least of all the saints. Now, I want us to be clear on this. This was not some kind of fake or false humility. Paul wasn't saying, oh, shucks, I'm not that great. I'm really not that important. I really am not that good a preacher. It wasn't anything like that. Paul had an unusually clear understanding of the righteousness and holiness of God. Paul had an unusually clear understanding of his own sinfulness. Paul had an unusually clear understanding of his own unworthiness. To the very end of his life, Paul considered himself to be the chief of sinners and was overwhelmed, overwhelmed by his sense of unworthiness. Two passages immediately come to mind. First is 1 Timothy 1.15. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Again, this wasn't false or fake humility. He knew that. He sensed that in the very depths of his being. Paul really brings this together in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 9 and 10, two verses that I have gone back to over and over again in my own ministry and two verses that I commend to you to put on your list of verses to memorize. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But... But by the grace of God, 
I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Oh, I tell you, when a man or a woman understands the righteousness and holiness of God, when a man or a woman understands their own sinfulness and understands their own unworthiness, this is not a hindrance to Christian usefulness. This is the key to Christian usefulness. It really is. You show me a person who understands the holiness of God. You show me a person who understands their sinfulness and their unworthiness, and I will show you a person who is ready to be used mightily by the Lord. And so Paul says to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, what does that term mean, the unsearchable riches of Christ? Well, the unsearchable riches of Christ include all his truths, all his blessings, all that Christ is, and all that Christ has. William Hendrickson, in the Baker New Testament commentary on Ephesians, writes this, The unsearchable riches of Christ cannot be tracked excuse me, cannot be tracked or traced. They are the unlimited resources of the grace of God in Christ. Ocean depths that can never be plummeted, treasure stores that are inexhaustible. I love that, don't you? Ocean depths that can never be plummeted, treasure stores that are inexhaustible. John Piper said, It would take a year's worth of sermons to explain the term, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, that leads to our second point this morning, and that is a gospel for all peoples. So Paul says to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then in verse 9 he says, and to bring a light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? There's one word I want you to focus in on in verse 9, and it is the word everyone, and to bring to light for everyone. Paul understood, and so must we, that the light of the gospel is to be preached to everyone. The whole point of the mystery is that God's plan of salvation is a message that is to be taken to all people groups in every part of the world. The creator of the world, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains the universe, the one who ordains and guides every second of every minute of every day, our creator is taking his shot, excuse me, his spotlight, and he is shining it into our dark world. 
I want you to imagine a big searchlight and God in heaven is just taking that searchlight and he is pointing it into our dark world. And then I want you to understand this. The spotlight is Jesus Christ. The great light of God is Jesus Christ himself and God longs for his spotlight to shine in every nation. Let me share this with you as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. The task of every Christian, and in a special way, every missionary, is to lift up Jesus Christ and the unsearchable riches that are found in him so that God may gather his church from every tribe and language and people and nation. Let me say that again. The task of every Christian And in a special way, every missionary is to lift up Jesus Christ and the unsearchable riches that are found in him so that God may gather his church from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. Oh, folks, let us proclaim it again and again. Christ is a light for everyone. We are to take the light of the gospel to everyone. And today, just like with the Apostle Paul, God is using unworthy, undeserving people, just like us, to accomplish his great mission. God is using us. He is in ways that are beyond our understanding to take his gospel to the nations. As we share the Lord's Supper together, remember that Christ died and rose again so that we might partake of his unsearchable riches. Oh, the gospel came to us, to those of you here this morning who know Christ as Savior. The unsearchable riches of Christ have come to you. Riches so great that it would take a year's worth of sermons to explain them. And as we share the Lord's Supper together, remember that Christ died and rose again so that we might take his light, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and shine it to the ends of the earth. At this time, we are going to share the Lord's Supper together.